0: What a, what a great morning already, isn't it? Have you guys been feeling the presence of God? You've been feeling good about being in, in God's presence and the company of His people? No? Yeah. All right. I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord to worship Him. This is a tent of meeting, folks. I know it's a United Church building, uh, communion community center, but it's actually a tent of meeting. Whenever the people of God gather together like this to worship Him, when the people of God sing the praises of God in His presence, that's where He is. It becomes a tent of meeting. And um, so I I hope that you come with that expectation of not not just you know singing a few nice songs and going through the motions of church, but you're actually here to really meet with the living God. What a travesty it is or it would be if we were to have this access this access to this incredible loving gracious powerful god and yet we don't take the, the we don't find the moment or we don't find the connection points with him so i encourage you to you know during the worship just, don't just sing the songs but but you know in in moments just just let your heart connect with him, I mean, there's some powerful songs we sang this morning about God's love, about what He says about us, which is which speaks, which ought to speak louder than what the lies that we believe in our hearts, the lies that we've we've learned to to hear. Um, living in this broken and fallen world, we 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 hear these lies and we tend to believe them. But He's saying something that's far more superior, far richer about who we are. Amen. So, this morning, a couple of Sundays ago, I spoke to you about uh, uh, enduring, enduring, right? The call to endure. And and this morning, I'm going to take another um, approach. I'm going to talk about enforcing the victory. Come on, enforcing the victory of Jesus, enforcing the victory of Jesus. Enforcing the victory of Jesus. So Jesus has already won a great and glorious victory. And I don't know if you guys like the Bible or like to read the Bible or, or whatever. But here's the deal. The Bible is so amazing. It's super amazing. Especially the New Testament. I'm, I'm actually reading, reading in my, in my reading... I'm reading a bit of the Old Testament and a bit of the New, and last couple of days and actually weeks, I'm going through Exodus, and now I'm in in Leviticus. Well, what a heavy, heavy uh, book to read. It's challenging because obviously uh, so much of it, the brunt of it doesn't apply to us anymore because of Jesus. But here's the thing, as I'm reading Leviticus and the last part of Exodus, God gave Moses these very, very specific, detailed um, instructions about how the people of God should approach him. And it was, you know, um, pretty gory some of it, pretty gruesome some of it, because it's a lot of animal sacrifice and even specific instructions about how to sacrifice the animal, what to do with the liver, what to do with the hoofs, what to do with the, with, with, with the fat, you know, and, 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 and then the blood. There's blood everywhere, man. There's blood everywhere. There's blood everywhere. Throw the blood on the, on the altar, throw the blood on the sides of the altar, throw the blood over there. And it just struck me that, you know, these, these priests... I believe they were essentially like glorified butchers because all they did, all they did day after day was sacrifice animals and throw blood all over the place and burn fat. Uh, The whole point I'm trying to make there is that God laid out very specifically um, ways for the people of Israel to come into his presence And of course, when you're making, you know, guilt offerings or wave offerings, you had to make wave offerings. You had um, that a whole slew of offerings that you that you had to make or or you could make, and then you would lay your hands on the animal and you would transfer your guilt onto the animal. And so, you know, all these very specific ways of doing it. And what struck me about all that is the the reverence, the reverence that God. Is requiring of his people to come when they come to him, and I believe that that also carries on, carries over into the New Testament because obviously, with Jesus, that whole sacrificial system is is done and dusted. It's over with, right? Because Jesus is now both the perfect sacrifice given once for all. He's also the perfect priest. Because even the priests themselves, they had to take time to cleanse themselves before they came into into God's presence. And Jesus being the perfect priest and the perfect sacrifice, the book of Hebrews, uh, uh, because of what he's done, we get to ride in on his coattails. We get to ride in on what he's done for us. But what the Lord is also saying to me at the same time is, yes, we can come confidently, Hebrews says, we can come confidently, boldly into God's throne room of mercy and grace and receive what it is we're asking for. We have that incredible uh, way made available to us because of what Jesus has done. At the same time, though, what the Spirit's been saying to me is, don't take this casually. Don't take this access Casually, come with reverence, come with a heart full of incredible thanksgiving. Because Jesus has made this awesome way possible for us to be reunited, reconnected, heart to heart, spirit to spirit with our Creator God, our loving, wonderful Heavenly Father. And Jesus has done all the heavy lifting for us. So we come with in- immense Gratitude. We come with a sense of of reverence and respect for for God the Father and for Jesus, for what He's done for us. Amen? So, oh, I start off saying that the Bible is amazing. Yes, the Bible is amazing. I'm reading the book of uh, Colossians as well. I'm going all over the place. I'm reading Colossians. And what I'm going to be talking to you about comes from the book of Colossians. Colossians was a letter written by Paul to the churches in this region uh, of Asia Minor, which is now in modern-day modern Turkey. But anyway, he wrote this letter to these uh, Ephesians, so these are uh, these Colossians, and it's a fast, fantastic book. Everybody ought to read the book of Colossians ten times a day. It's really short. It's only four, three, four, four chapters. And it's, e- it's easy reading in the sense that it's, you know, it's easy to read. But, and it's simple to read. But it's so profound. So Holy Spirit, I ask that even as we take just a few minutes to share about what you've done for us, Jesus. Lord, Holy Spirit. You are the one who makes these things so real to our hearts. So awaken us. Awaken our hearts. Go bypass our brains or uh, at least go through our brains and go deep into our hearts and make this thing live. Uh, let us let be revelation somehow, Holy Spirit, that we wouldn't take for granted what Jesus has done for us. We wouldn't take for granted the incredible access that we have to our Heavenly Father, the incredible victory that you've won for us over sin, over death, and over the devil. Come, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Make it real. Make it live. For your sake and for your glory. Amen. You know, in this day of of uh, fake news and alternative facts. That's a new thing I just heard recently, especially with the scandal, the Trudeau scandal. Alternative facts. We have alternative facts now. It's no longer lies, they're alternative facts. (laughs) We have fake news. We have your truth and we have my truth. But I want to tell you people, there still is the truth. There still is the truth. And his name is Jesus. He is the truth. And here's what Jesus has done for us. In, uh, I'm reading from Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. I'll be brief, very short, because I want to pray for people. Uh, here's what Paul says to the Colossians. When you were dead in your sins... And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. So my first point is that Jesus has triumphed by his death and by his resurrection 2,000 years ago. He overcome in many different areas. I'll mention three. He overcame death. He overcame sin. And he overcame the devil. You were dead. And by dead, the Bible means spiritually separated, not physically dead, obviously, because you're still breathing, I think most of you are still breathing. So spiritual death is what what the guy is talking about. You're spiritually dead. You're essentially separated from God. You don't have the same sort of freedom and access to, to, to know God personally, to have a relationship of intimacy with this God. You're dead in your sins. And in the uncircumcision of your flesh. What does that mean? The uncircumcision of your flesh. Well, this harks back to the Old Testament. You see, when, when, um, when God made a covenant with, with Abraham and with the people of God, with, with, with the Jews, he told them that as a sign of his covenant, as a sign of his new relationship with them, There is people. He is their father. He is their God. There is people. As a sign of that special relationship that he has with them, you have to be circum. The male uh, people have to be circumcised. Okay. So when you're uncircumcised, it means you're not in that sort of covenant relationship with God. So you're dead in your sins. You're separated from God. And then to and then to and then to doubly make the point, he says you're also uncircumcised. You were separated from God. You're outside of the covenant fellowship that God has with, with his people. While you were like that, it says, because of what Jesus did on the cross, now he made you alive with Christ, which, which means that your spirit comes alive. Because when you say yes to Jesus... When you say, yes, Jesus, I believe you, he come, and you invite him into your heart, he comes into your heart, the Father comes into your heart, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, and you become the mobile headquarters of the Holy Trinity. The living God resides in some incredibly mind-boggling way that you don't fully understand, neither do I, but God is now resident on the inside of us. We have been made alive in Christ. Made alive in Christ. So even if I die in two, two minutes, I'm going to be in heaven and I'm alive forevermore. I can never die again, anybody, people. If you're a believer in Jesus, you can never die. If you, you, know, you leave your body, you end up uh, in heaven, but you're alive forevermore. And that's a gift that God deigns to give to us. Amen? Amen. So Jesus has triumphed over death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your power? Right? It's gone. The next thing that that he talks about in this passage is he forgave us all of our sins Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. These three verses are a powerful explanation of the gospel, what Jesus has done for us. He forgave us all of our sins. He canceled the charge because of our sins, because we were broken, because we made bad choices, bad decisions. We did all kinds of wrong things. There was a charge against us. We were now indebted because of our sin, sinfulness. We're indebted. There's a charge of, of legal indebtedness. The law says he hasn't kept the, he hasn't kept the rules, therefore he is in, he's in trouble. And because of that, we were condemned. We were condemned to a life of separation from God, a life of death separated from God. But, but, but Jesus... He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Those sins, every single sin, every single sin that, 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 that we ever committed was nailed to the cross. It says in the 2 Corinthians that Jesus, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. What a tremendous exchange that happened When Jesus took our sins and gave us his righteousness, taking away both our sinfulness and our sense of indebtedness and every single bit of condemnation that we feel, whether it comes from within or whether it comes from without, every sense of condemnation is now gone. Amen? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No more condemnation. We can live with a Tremendous amount of freedom in our spirit, our conscience that is, a conscience that is clear. Amen? Amen? Don't take this for granted, folks. This is incredible. People in the Old Testament had to sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice, and they were never ever confident that what they were doing was enough. We can have that confidence finally and having disarmed the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross so every single demonic force every single the 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 the, the, the um the levels of the demonic forces the structures of demonic forces every single one of them all the powers all the, all the authorities who thought that he had gained a great victory when Jesus died on the cross. They were jumping up and skipping up and down because they thought they'd won a great victory. They were completely deluded because when he rose again from the dead, that's what he did. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This triumphing over them sort of harks back to the time of the Romans, right when Jesus was alive, when, when, they, would, when they would go to battle and they would win against the, the army, what they would do is as they're coming back home, they would, they, it's called a triumphal procession. They would actually parade the leaders and the kings and the queens, especially kings of the, of the armies or, or the nations that they had, they had just gotten victory over, they would lead them down and, and actually it's a little bit gruesome. What they would do is they would gouge out their eyes or maim them in some way to demonstrate how they've triumphed over these people. And they would parade them for everybody to see, especially their own people. So that their people will celebrate, look what our guys have done. And, and so that's the imagery that Paul is using here, triumphing over them by the cross. Of course, the difference with Jesus is he didn't gouge anybody's eyes out. He didn't, harass, you know, he didn't, he didn't physically brutalize anybody. He won the victory in humility. He won the victory by laying down his own life on the cross. He won the victory um, with self-sacrifice. Amen? They've been disarmed, and the devil has been defeated. So he's got no more arms, he's got no more legs, no more feet, because he's been defeated. (laughs) Disarmed and defeated is, is the devil. I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to get, get, it's a simple message, I'm trying to get this home to you. Because I, we don't want to be living as if the battle against the enemy is on equal uh, turf, right? He has been defeated. He has been defeated. Jesus has made a public spectacle of his victory over the, the devil and all of his minions, the despicable minions of the devil. Okay? He has won the victory, everybody. Jesus has won the victory. Amen. So we must learn to live from that place of victory. We must learn to live from that place of victory. Like kayana was explaining in his, in, his, in his dream, we must not exchange the truth for a lie. We must not exchange the truth for a lie. Because this is the capital T truth. It's not alternative facts. This is the real deal. This is it. This is not fake news. This is it. This is as good as gravity. Okay, you walk, you, you, know, you, know, you know gravity works. This is like gravity, it works. It, this is what happened. Jesus died to conquer sin, to conquer death, and to conquer the devil. And you and I, we get to live in that victory, in that place of freedom and victory. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. So, what about this now? Put on, this is Ephesians chapter 6, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We just read that Jesus has already made the victory, claimed the victory. He's already done it. He's already defeated the devil, defeated our sin, defeated death. But then in another book, he writes that our struggle... Our struggle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So there is a struggle. So how do you hold those two things together? That Jesus has already won the victory, but yet there's a struggle. Well, let me try to ex- illustrate it by a story I, I heard um, fairly recently listening to the Alpha tapes. One of the, um, at the end of World War II... When the axis, the the the, um the axis, the other you know the axis and the allies, right? So you got you got the you got the the Germans, the Japanese, the uh, the Italians, right? They're the axis, and then you got the the um the allies. So America, the UK, uh, a few other people. So you got the axis, the axis, and the allies. Eventually, they signed the axis. The, the, they, um, they surrendered and they signed a, tr- a, a surrender thing saying we surrender, okay, in 1945, September 2nd, 1945. But did you know that, they, that they, actually the fight, even though they signed that they had surrendered, the fighting actually still continued in some parts of the world because the message hadn't gotten all the way through? And so the armies were still fighting against each other even though the battle, the war was already done. They were still fighting against each other. In fact, there's a story where um, in, in Asia somewhere, I think it was the Philippines maybe, um, or anyway. So somewhere in Asia, uh, the Japanese had a bunch of prisoners of war captured in this place. And, and, the, and they were doing lots of manual labor for them. These prisoners, these allied prisoners, were were doing lots of manual labor. So the Japanese uh, commander found out that they had lost the war, war, but he never told them. He never told them, because he wanted them to keep on uh, doing work for him, manual labor for him, building whatever they were building. And um, so it wasn't until... um, the, the prisoners found out that they, they, their side had actually won the war, that they said, we're not going to be doing this anymore. We, we're done. We're finished. We're, we're, uh, we're victorious. Yeah. Amen? So here's the question then. What are the, what are the enemy forces that are coming against your life trying to convince you that you haven't won the battle? trying to deceive you and trick you and lie to you and withhold information from you to convince you that what Ramesh, Pastor Ramesh is saying, isn't true. What are some of the lies that the enemy is sowing into your heart, has been sowing into your heart from the beginning, even from your mother's womb? What are some of the lies that he's been sowing into your heart that you have not been made victorious with Christ? So you need, So you, therefore you have to live under fear. You have to live under anxiety. You have to live under lack. You have to live, live under financial stress. You have to live under relationship stress. That you have to be full of bitterness and brokenness and disappointment and despair. What are the lies that he's been pouring into your spirit and re, re, um, reinforcing them um, through experiences in your life? ponder on those things for a few minutes few minutes because we want to not usurp the truth of God with the lies of the enemy i would really recommend friends take this chap this these verses i just shared with you from colossians meditate on them don't just read them casually meditate on them read them or read the whole book of colossians it speaks about the supremacy of christ what he's done for us the victory. It also says that he actually made those authorities, those, uh, those rulers, those principalities. He made them. Well, they were all made for him, and he rules over all of them. So read, read, read Colossians, and then, and then meditatively, quietly, slowly read over Colossians two thirteen to 15, and ask the Holy Spirit to make this real to your heart, not just to your head so that you'll be able to live out your true identity. We sang this song, and, and, and Peter played it last, last, uh, last Sunday as well, uh, this Lord, Lauren Daigle song about, um, you say I am strong when I feel I am weak. You, you know, that whole thing. We, we, have a, we have an ongoing struggle, like Paul speaks about here. We have an ongoing struggle to um, learn how to, value what God says over what everybody else says. Our own hearts, other people in our lives. We have a choice to make. We have, we, have, we have an opportunity to let the truth of God take supremacy in our lives. And the only way that I know that that happens is when we, we, we take time to let that sink into our heart, We take time to meditate on it. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you lies in your heart. Show me lies in my heart, which do, which do not line up with the truth of God. Amen? So, I want to enforce the uh, victory in the area of healing this morning. I'm going to be like the guy in Hebrews who gives this incredible, deep, profound, theological thing which you can spend years and years just just working through and trying to figure it out. But then he does that, and he says, okay, because Jesus is supreme, love one another. And he makes it incredibly practical. So I'm going to enforce this victory that Jesus won over death, over sickness, over disease, over over sin, over uh, the devil. And I'm going to ask, if anybody who wants prayer uh, for healing, we'll, we'll, we'll pray for you right now. We'll enforce the victory that Jesus won over sickness. Amen? Amen. I want to give you a couple of really quick um, illustrations or, or testimonies of how Jesus has used us, little old us. Um, a couple of years ago, we were we went down to Lakeland, uh, Mel and Sue and Elsie, no, Mel and Sue and uh, another group, and myself, we went down to Lakeland. And on the way back home, we had a rental car, uh, so we were returning it. And as, we were getting, as, we were, as Mel and I were driving, Mel uh, is the pastor of the Cashifire Brampton Church. Uh, as Mel and I uh, were returning the car, um, uh, this lady in front of us... Um, the, rent, the car rental lady, she was saying that I have pain in my back, I have pain in my neck, I have pain in my shoulder, and we just come from a healing thing, so we were charged up, okay? We are charged up over this healing business. So we said to this lady, um, in Spanish, by the way, and that was another little miracle that I was able to fluently speak Spanish to her so she could understand. Uh, I said to her, um, uh, we, just, we, we, we believe that Jesus can heal you and would you like us to pray for you? And so she says, yes, I'm in such pain, can you please pray for me? And so we, we, we put our hand on her shoulder, and we said, um, kingdom of God come, will of our heavenly Father be done in this woman's life right now. And as we said that, we said, okay, can you check your body? And God's honest truth, like within seconds, the lady said the pain was completely gone, completely gone. I said we said we said to her, That was Jesus at work on the outside. Would you like him on the inside? And so she said yes. So we, we prayed a prayer and she gave her heart to Jesus and we gave her as much information as we could about a church we'd come from is a long way away. But anyway, we did that. A couple of uh, years ago I was in, in Brazil and we were doing some ministry travelling around and um, at the end of it we had some people giving out words of knowledge. Words of knowledge are words that God gives to people uh, 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 with regard to what he wants to do, right? So he wants to heal somebody of something, so he tells somebody. And so they speak it out, and then faith arises in the room, and so they pray for that person. So we're doing that. There was a a word of knowledge about somebody who had uh, kidney stones, and they were in tremendous pain. So the guy comes forward, comes to me, and uh, I pray for him. Uh, n- nothing discernible happened in that moment when I prayed for him. The pain was still there. He didn't feel any better. He didn't feel any, anything happening. So we, we, just, we just moved on. However, I think within two days of leaving that place, we went to another city. The pastor of that church had sent us an email saying that the guy who was going to have surgery for his uh, kidney stones the following day, I think it was, or within two days... Um, He didn't have to have surgery anymore because the the stones were gone. Even though he didn't feel anything, by the time he went, within a couple of days, the pain had completely gone. Um, I was in Guyana recently, in the country of my birth, with Randy Clark. Randy Clark is is a healing evangelist, an amazing guy. They were doing some ministry in Guyana. Same thing, we we're listening for words of knowledge and then we are going to release them at the end of the meeting, and then people would come forward. So I had a word of knowledge about somebody who, uh, people who were hit on the side of the head with a ball in a sports injury. They were hit on the side of the head, and it had affected their vision. There was like five people that came forward, of this crowd of people. Five people came forward. Every single person, except for one person that I prayed for, was immediately within praying, they, they could see, their, they, they had their vision back, like clearly. They weren't blind or anything, but their vision was impaired. They came back. Hallelujah. This is what Jesus does. We're talking about enforcing the victory that Jesus made on the cross. The victory against sin, against sickness, against disease, against death. Uh, one last story. Uh, our, most, our most dramatic healing story ever so far. A long while ago now, but it's still worth, it's still got juice on it because it's so amazing. We were, we were in Nicaragua. We went to see our lady, uh, the pastor's wife who was sick in hospital. We went to visit her, you know, just being nice, friendly missionaries. We went to pray, pray with her, spend some time. While we were with this lady, one of the church members came, young girl came, crying, saying, my sister is upstairs. She is, uh, had a brain tumor for seven years, and the doctors have said, can you please call the family together, get the priest to come, uh, do you know, divine unction, divine rites, because she's going to pass any moment. So, can you come and pray, she says. Well, we didn't feel any faith or any power or anything, but because they were friends of ours, we just went up to the room, um, and it was a ward filled with people, and this particular lady, her name was deborah she although many of the family members were believers, she was not. She had actually resisted coming to Christ, she was actually involved in, a, in, a, in the occult and all kinds of uh, weird stuff and um, so we, we, you know, we began to talk to her about um, giving her life to Jesus, and we tried everything that we knew to, to say. We talked about you know uh, the fires of hell. That was the other guy, not me. Somebody talked about the fires of hell. We talked, I talked about the love of the Father. God really wants to love you. He wants you to know. Um, We tried everything, and Deborah was just not into it. In fact, she was in such pain. Her body was so emaciated. She was on on a, I think it was a morphine drip, but whatever it was, it was doing nothing for her because she was in such pain. She was writhing back and forth. It was just a horrible thing to look at, a painful thing to look at. But, you know, so, so eventually we just said, Deborah, we, we just want to pray for you. And we believe that God loves you and he really wants to do good in your life. And so we prayed for Deborah. And as we were praying for Deborah, we were gathered around, there's a bunch of us. I felt in that moment like something that went, whoosh, like a, in my mind's eye, I had, the, I had the image of a blue flame whoosh, that went out. It was just a quick momentary thing. So as we were walking out, Leading everybody else to Jesus in the Word, by the way, because they all overheard. Anyway, as we were walking out, um, I said to them, I think that, uh, you know, I feel something happened. I don't know what. Anyway, to shorten the story, the next day we were back in the church and the sister and the mother of, of Deborah were there in the church with a big smile on their face. So we said, how come you guys are here? Aren't you at a funeral? Aren't you at Deborah's funeral? (laughs) They said, man of faith and power, yes. Um, uh, They said that the next morning when they went back to see Deborah, that morning when they went back to see Deborah, uh, she was sitting up in bed. And so they said to Deborah, Deborah, what happened? And Deborah told them that after you guys left, after the whole family left, Jesus walked into the room and he said to her Deborah why are you so rebellious? I'm going to make you a deal this is what she told us I'm going to make you a deal you give your life to me and I'll give you many more days on this earth and so she took the deal the doctors were completely flabbergasted (laughs) hallelujah So when it comes to healing, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a struggle because sometimes we pray for people who, and they get healed and then we pray for people and they don't get healed and I get disappointed, I get frustrated, I get what's wrong with me, all the rest of it. But um, what I want to do is I want to offer the opportunity for us to enforce the victory yes. that Jesus made over sickness, over death, over the devil, over every single negative thing. And so if you have pain, let's start really quickly, we'll we'll have everybody who wants to have prayer come forward in a moment, but I want to start by saying, is there anybody who has pain, like chronic pain, I don't mean you you stubbed your toe this morning, but if you've had pain for for a while, months, years, and it hasn't gone away, is there anybody like that in this room? Would you stand? You all—you've all had pain in your body for a long time. Where's your pain, Junko? In your shoulder—is it—is it it muscular pain or what? Yeah. Tom, you uh, got—you got pain as well. Come on. When do we all come to the front then? Let's have the team come forward.